Well, hello, White Sox fans. How you guys doing tonight? Welcome to another episode of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. I'm here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, uh, when the White Sox are uh, six and three after the first nine games of the season, and uh, you know, looking like they're uh, well, they actually are tied for being the best or having the best record in baseball as of as of this moment. Um, I, I I really don't have too much to complain about, or do I? But stick around and find out, and uh, we'll get into the meat of this thing. Yeah, um, there is, uh, you know, of course, there is plenty of stuff to talk about uh, now that the season started and things are uh, up and rolling. And things are, you know, it's pretty much uh, living in opposite world. Uh, it's been really bizarre because <laughs> if you look at the stats for the hitting and then if you look at the stats for the pitching knowing that there's all these injuries with the pitching giolito being out lynn being out uh, crochet being gone um along with you know just other nagging injuries for other people um you would expect that the uh that the pitching would be you know middle of the pack and that is not the case they no. they are eighth in ERA, which even with the stellar pitching of Vince Velasquez, uh, they still managed to have a three point two four staff ERA, which is mind blowing. So yeah, um, well, <laughs> well, you know, I, I gotta say too when the. Uh, when the defense is taking credit for some of those uh, runs that should have or could have been earned, uh, you know, that helps a little bit when you're uh, wiping out runs uh, on a pitcher stat line because of, you know, ridiculous errors. Some of those errors made by pitchers themselves, by the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, there almost seems like uh, there should be something to be said about that. You know, if the pitcher makes the error – to extend the inning and does not get the earned run because he made the error. Doesn't that seem a little fishy to you? <laughs> I mean, you know, there, yeah, there have been some, some oddities for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, we were talking about this off air, but there's a, a gentleman named Jay Kuda on Twitter and uh, he posted about some stuff earlier today that based on the numbers that the hitters on the White Sox are putting out, you know, with uh, barrels and uh, exit velocities and all that stuff and uh, expected batting average and all that, that the White Sox should have one of the top offenses in baseball. And as we know, that is not the case. And uh, we'll go ahead and get into a... Uh, a different, uh, a different uh, segment today. Uh, way too early numbers, uh, where we go ahead and compare some of the numbers that are going around in Major League Baseball compared to what we are experiencing on the South Side so far. Uh, Mid five one five says Joe Kelly. Also, yeah, that's true. Bicep tendonitis for Kelly, and uh, you know, 
heard a couple of little things about him as of late, you know, but no definite timetable for his return. Um, you know, there's just there's so much unknown going on right now that makes it uh, just kind of an you know like a very odd start when you look at the numbers and then you look at the number you know look at the record makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, no kidding. But uh, you know what? As they say, I'll take it. So. Uh, you know, the most important thing is the uh, the win column, and uh, the White Sox are staying on the right side of that right now. Uh, you know, I seen a tweet. You know, we were talking about a tweet from uh, Jay Kuda. I saw a tweet this afternoon from uh, Mr. James Feagan, who, uh, you know, he wrote an article about the White Sox sluggish. Uh, and that's not, you know, it's not sluggish as in they're slugging. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they're, they're not, not looking they're not sluggish. Uh, yeah, yeah it, you know, there there were times in this in this early part of the season where they've looked hitter-ish, uh, but you know they, they've left some guys on base in some uh, key situations, you know, as they have been known to do since you know the middle of last season, and uh, you know I don't know, uh, you just kind of hope that, like you said, uh, some of those numbers turn around as they uh, they should. Yeah, I mean you hope. Um... Yeah, there's some there. there I, you know, I went through and uh, did like a not a I wouldn't say a deep dive because uh, I wasn't getting that far into it. Um, but you know, went and looked at uh, a bunch of different numbers, and uh, I think that that's uh, some of these numbers are going to be surprising, and others are not. Whoa. So yeah, so we missed last week. I was gone. Um, yeah, and, and before you get into the meat of talking about missing last week, I do just want to really quick give a shout out to our uh, to our listeners and our followers here at White Sox Daily because uh, I don't know if you experienced any of this, but as we were gone and we were not there because uh, you know you you know everybody deserves some time to spend with the family. So uh, Mr. Ian here uh, went and saw the fam down in uh, North Carolina. And uh, did the uh, minor league farm system North Carolina circuit while he was there, but uh, while you were doing that, uh, a lot of folks seemed to take notice that we were not around. So I just want to give a huge shout out to our listeners and our fans and our followers for uh, checking in with us. And uh, you know, it just you don't realize uh, how much uh, people seem to enjoy what we're doing here until they uh, start talking about, Hey, you guys are gone. What's going on? Where are you at? And I got a few uh, DMS and a few messages and uh, you know, it was just nice. So uh, thank you guys for that. Yeah, that's uh that's nice to hear. Nobody, nobody talked to me. They're like, Oh, well that guy's gone, but uh, we're missing Danny. So no, no, actually uh, <laughs> they'd asked about you. Uh, and I think uh, maybe what it was, was uh, I, I let them know that you were out there with the fam and, uh, you know, I think that may have curtailed that a little bit for you, but uh, yeah, no. Either way, yeah, there was, was a, there was a handful time. of people looking for us, so that is nice to hear. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, for those of you that did not know, um, I did go down and visit my parents down in North Carolina, and uh, while I was down there, caught a couple of minor league games, caught the season uh, opener for the Cannonballers, the uh, home opener. 
uh, actually season opener for them and uh, the home opener for the uh, Charlotte Knights. And I saw the second game, uh, the second home game for the Dash. Um, so got to go down there and, uh, you know, you go down to North Carolina and you expect it to be, you know, not, you know, Florida or Arizona weather where it's going to be like 80 degrees in April, but, <laughs> you know, you're hoping for, you know, I don't know, 65, 70. And, uh, or, I got you know, there. Anything better than the south side of Chicago, right? Yeah. Now. Apparently <laughs> I brought the weather with me because it was, uh, I think first pitch at the Cannonballers game was like 42 with like 15 to 20 mile an hour winds. And of course, the wind was blowing from the third base side to right field. Uh, and I happened to be sitting on the third base side with no cover. Um, and it was freezing. Um, and, you know, especially for me, as I left here and uh, I completely forgot, you know, like when I, when I go to work, I just get in my car and I just walk from the parking garage into, into work. And I don't necessarily, if it's, you know, like 40, 50 degrees, I don't even think about bringing a jet because I'm only outside for a few seconds. Well, I did that because I parked my car at work. And uh, then I got on my plane with no coat, no jacket, and so uh, I went down there and completely froze. So that kind of that kind of sucked. But I did get to see uh, Colson Montgomery and Wes Cath out there for their first starts for the Cannonballers, and uh, alas, no hits uh, for either of them. Um, I, th- I believe Wes Cath got his hit the next day, and then Colson Montgomery got his two days after that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I missed out on that a little bit, but, uh, it ended up being a 13 inning game and they won on a walk-off walk. So, Hey, like we said, you know, getting into the W column any way you can is, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And especially after the season that the cannonballers had last year where wins were far and few, you know, far between and and few, you know, there was just a lot of inexperience in that group and um, it just didn't, you know, they never gelled until like September. And I think to end the season last year, they had six wins in a row to end the season when Hackenberg and Goosenberg uh, came up from the, uh, the, uh, AC, the ACL. Um, uh, they did their, you know, September promotions from, the draft and sent up some guys, uh, Gil Luna Jr., uh, Cole Seamus, um, and uh, yeah, a bunch Seamus, of- Hackenberg. I, you know, that guy, if he, if, if what he's doing, you know, towards the uh, end of last year and early on this season, he looks like he could be absolutely monstrous. I mean, that guy yeah. gets some boom shots. Yeah, he hits the ball hard. And he's got a cannon for an arm, and he commands the the pitching staff. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but if I remember correctly, I don't think he's played in a couple of days, so he might have tweaked something. Um, yeah, that's that's possible. I don't think it's anything serious because we haven't heard anything about it. But um, yeah, it uh, just seems like it's par for the course of the uh, the White Sox organization here lately. Ugh, so brutal. Uh, yeah, we'll but, get uh, into that a little bit tonight too, as well. Yeah, a guy that we signed from uh, the Marlins uh, as a free agent got released. Uh, Keegan Fish has been playing uh, catcher for the last couple of days for the 
for the uh, the dash over there. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was nice to see. We saw uh, Jordan Michael um, came out. Uh, so um, I'm trying to remember who the starter was for that game. It was uh, we drafted him last year, and now I'm blanking. But uh, it, you know, to be fair, he only pitched one inning, and uh, he got out of it with one run. But it was a very forgettable, uh, forgettable appearance for him on that uh, opening night start. Um, I'll remember his name in a few minutes after I'm done sitting here talking. But uh, Jordan Michael came out, and he pitched. Uh, I think he pitched three innings and struck out seven. And uh, All right. yeah, no, he looked he looked fantastic. It, you know, Seven of how many did he face? Nine. Well, he, uh, he faced ten, I believe, because he walked a guy and then gave up a home run. But I think he, uh, yeah, so maybe maybe a eleven. Seven of ten, or eleven. Seven yeah. out of eleven. That's a that's a heck of a uh, percentage there. Yeah, especially after the uh, the the first inning where you know um, came out and strikes were hard to come by right off the bat. There were a couple of walks. Uh, I think he ended up closing the inning with uh, men on first and second because the guy on third scored. And um, yeah, I can't believe I can't remember who the heck this is. I think it, uh, this is uh, Sean Burke. No, no, he's in Winston Salem. It was uh, yeah, I can't, I can't remember. Oh, uh, Goswine, Brooks Goswine. Brooks uh, Goswine. Yeah. So um, yeah, and then the you know the the bullpen after. After Goswine left, uh, looked pretty stinking good. So um, I'm hoping that down there that uh, that they have a nice uh, character building year in Kannapolis because uh, last year was a tough one, and uh, some of the guys that are coming back that were there last year that either got demoted or came up there later on in the year, like Mizel Gonzalez and um, Samuel Polanco and some of the other guys. Uh, there, uh, DJ Gladney's is he's you know hit really well so far this year. Um, it's nice to see that there is you know noticeable progression because you know the the last you know the, basically the entire year last year just kind of seemed like it was a wash. Um, didn't seem that- like like really anything good was coming out of it until September when they sent up their guys that they just recently drafted. Um, so yeah, there was that. Um, but uh, yeah, then uh, on Saturday uh, I met uh, our uh, our viewer uh, sub Mister Grimtall at uh, the uh, the old stadium there for the Dash in Winston Salem, and we went to the game. And uh, Matthew Thompson started, and uh, as in his second start, he was a little wild, um, but. You can understand why people are high on him. The stuff is is fantastic, and um, you know you see the the fastballs are coming in ninety six miles an hour in forty five degree weather. So when you see that, that's a good you know that's a that's a nice sign. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So now let me ask you this: yeah. uh, being there now, we all know anybody that follows the show and follows uh, White Sox Daily Live on Twitter at daily white Sox on Twitter. Uh, you know, we know that, uh, there's a lot of minor league updates, uh, as far as, you know, a lot of video clips 
posted to that page. And we know that, uh, you know, all of that stuff comes from you. You're, uh, you're an average, uh, sorry, av- avid, average, uh, <laughs> avid, uh, minor league, uh, baseball watcher. And, uh, I just have to ask, you know, when you're you're looking at this stuff on the, you know, the MILB package and then you go to a game and you see it in person, is there uh, a, do, do you get a better feel for what you're looking at when you're there in person? Uh, yes, no. I, you know, it's kind of one of those things <laughs> where uh, w- when you're talking about uh, stuff from a pitcher, um I, th- I think that it's it's definitely a little bit more real when you're watching it from 50 feet away instead of watching it on a you know a 2d you know a two-dimensional screen um, it pops out a little bit more I mean like I knew that Matthew Thompson had great stuff I look at his numbers and you can tell that even watching on the screen that the guy's throwing hard Um but you don't know how hard and you don't really uh, see how hitters are reacting to it and the body language as much when cameras are moving and everything. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see, you know? Um, so yeah, I would say that there's, there's a, there is a difference. Um, I wish that I was in North Carolina all the time. Um, so I could, <laughs> so I could go to the games all the time, but uh, unfortunately that is not the case and it's just not uh feasible at the at the moment um but yeah i it, it's nice you know and i caught some things uh with oscar colas uh because of depth perception that on the screen on tv that that you're not going to pick up on like uh i posted it i did post the highlight on our on our twitter page but uh or on our twitter timeline or however what what is it Twitter yeah, feed? yeah or whatever our, it is. entire feed whatever yeah, yeah yeah so uh there was a line drive to center field and if you're watching it uh you know you watch the clip it doesn't really look like anything but in person what you see is you see a guy that's playing 40 feet in from the center field wall and this guy just hit a an absolute rocket straight to center field, like basically right at him. And he's playing center field, which, you know, we've been told that he is a corner outfielder, either left field or right field. And he's got the arm for right field because he was a pitcher. You know, he can throw 90 plus miles an hour. So he's got the arm for right field, but you don't expect to see him in center field. And from some of the things that were said about him uh, from – his showcase or whatever is that the body was, you know, looking a little bit soft a couple of, you know, like a year and a half ago or whatever. Right. And, uh, he apparently took, uh, his conditioning very seriously and, uh, slimmed down a little bit and, um, got a little bit stronger. Uh, but he's playing center field, which we don't expect. And they've been playing right. there like pretty much every game, uh, except for on Sunday, he had a day off, but, um, he just turned, ran straight back, and then caught. Uh, I mean, he did like kind of awkwardly turn a little bit at the at the very end, and and ended up flat up against the wall. But he caught the ball right against the wall, and I mean, the guy murdered the pitch. I mean, 
it should have been. I'm, I'm sure if you were just, you know, if they had Statcast numbers on it, you know, the ex- expected batting average on it would probably be somewhere in like the 800s, 900s, you know, because I don't think anybody thought that he was actually going to get to it, but he covered a ton of ground and made a great play on it. And looking at it on video, you can't really tell that. And if you listen to uh, to the announcers down there um, in Winston-Salem, um, he mentions that, wow, Oscar Colas covered a lot of ground, which he did. But judging by looking at it on a video, you wouldn't really know. you know. So, I mean, there's things like that that you do not pick up on as much uh, on video as you do when you're there, you know, in person. So, uh, I saw him, uh, had some really nice at bats and, uh, smoked a opposite field double. He's been, uh, really using his inside out swing and hitting to the, uh, to the left side a lot. And, uh, it's always, been always out. good to see, uh, yeah. always good to see guys go the opposite way. Uh, especially on the Sox team, you know, we, you hear Jason and Steve talk about it, you know, Timmy's doing his best when he's taking the ball where it's yep. pitched and going the other way with it. Jose is, you know, at his best when he's going away with, you know, the other way with the ball. And uh, I think that's a pretty common uh, thing throughout uh, baseball in general is when you're taking a pitch where it's pitched and you're barreling it up and you're not trying to pull it for power uh, and you're, you're putting the ball in play and going the opposite way, good things are going to happen for you. You know, teams aren't going to be able to shift on you as much. Uh, you're going to find some holes. You're going to hit some balls in some places where it's not, you know, as expected. And, uh, you know, good things happen. Base runners uh, turn into uh, runs across the plate. So always good to see you guys do that. Hey, Colton S10, how you doing, buddy? Hope the, uh, hold, uh, hope MLB The Show is treating you well downstairs. That's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I yeah. have yet to uh, download the 2022 edition. I'll tell you what; it looks awesome. I have not played one single pitch of it yet. Um, uh, I'm I'm looking to get into it and uh, you know build myself, create myself some ridiculously wild stadium, and uh, you know I don't know, hit monster bombs. Yeah, I've heard that that's uh, the way to uh, mega XP on. Uh, road to the show is to uh enable certain stadiums and uh just sit there and hit nukes all day <laughs> so um yeah so that was uh i i saw a absolutely bizarre play in person um and you know they talk about when they talk about matthew thompson one thing that they really stress is his athleticism and um uh, Colton's asking if you have a PS5. Do you have a PS5, Danny? Uh, I'm on the four, unfortunately. Uh, yes, as we are as well. Um, but they talk about Matt Thompson's athleticism. And, you know, he, he looks like an athletic dude. Sure, great. Um, but he's a pitcher. So, okay, whatever. Just play. <laughs> so one thing that he has really been excelling at so far this year is uh, wild pitches and pass balls. Um He's been he's been chucking uh you know his sliders getting past catchers and I mean, this is Hackenberg who's a really really good defensive catcher and, and uh, he's a he's a big big boy yeah you know? yeah he's not a small dude and he's you know and he's he's quick on his feet and uh, he blocks a you know most guys but 
Uh, Thompson's been uh, putting him to work back there. So there was a pitch. There was a guy on third base at the time. He threw a pitch in the dirt. Hackenberg does his best to block it. It goes straight up in the air. Guy from third comes in. Matthew Thompson runs from the pitcher's mound, catches it, and then tags him out at, at home. And uh, that's something I've never seen before. And uh, I was pretty impressed. I'm not going to lie. That was, uh, was pretty impressive. Even even the fact you know that he was the one who threw the wild pitch in the dirt, uh, for him to pitch the ball, catch the ball, and then tag the runner at home was uh, really impressive. That was all part of the game plan. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, uh, that one, they ended up losing that one. Um, I guess I was just uh, bad luck because the day that I went to the Cannonballers game, they scored, I think they ended up scoring, I think they won 6-5 to five in like 13 innings. And uh, that night, the Dash scored like, I think they won like 12-5. to five. And so I flip-flopped. And on Friday, I went to the Cannonballers. On Saturday, I went to the Dash. The Dash scored four or five runs and lost seven to five or seven to four or whatever. And the Cannonballers scored, you know, 12, 13 runs and won by like nine. And everybody was hitting the ball all over the place. So, you know, like I just did not seem to get lucky on the uh, thing at all. Um, but, uh, you know, hey. It happens. Uh, apparently, I'm just a curse on the offenses down there for the for the day. But uh, stay away from the G right. Uh. <laughs> hasn't been a problem so far. No. Um, yeah, but uh, so yeah. Then uh, I took a I took Sunday off, hung out with my parents, uh, drove back from Winston Salem back to my parents' place, and then uh, spent the night over there hanging out with them. And then uh, on Monday also. Uh, hung out at the house over there, watched the White Sox, uh, and took care of some work nonsense. And then on Tuesday, uh, me and my parents went to the home opener for the Knights. And that was, uh, you know, everything that you see and hear about that stadium uh, is true. Absolutely beautiful setting. Um, And it was 80 degrees and wonderful. And... uh, Saw uh, John Park versus uh, Cardinals, one of the Cardinals' top prospects, uh, Matt Liebertor. Um, and the Knights, they scored a few runs, but they lost. And uh, I think we ended up leaving in the we ended up leaving in the bottom of the ninth because you know they were down by like I think like eight runs or something like that. Um, yeah. Well, you know, that, that Libertor kid's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah, and that's the thing is he hasn't been really all that. Uh, I mean, <coughs> the the Knights, he pitched against the Knights twice in the last week. He pitched the uh, Tuesday game and the Sunday game. And uh, he won the f- – I don't think he even won the first one. I think a, a reliever ended up getting the, the win for them. And then on Sunday he got his – he, uh, you know, they hit him pretty well that day as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I think yeah. Uh, I think, uh, I think Blake Rutherford hit. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean, uh, he's going to be making the show probably here. I'd say maybe maybe before midseason. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what the Cardinals pitching staff does, really. You know, I mean, if he was a prospect for the Reds, I'd say that he'd probably already be up because that's a clown show over there right now. You know, you got the owner right. of the team saying, well, where else are you yeah. going to go watch baseball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I guess that's probably true, too, because, uh, you know, they didn't, you know, Libertor is not a. Uh, He's not a homegrown St. Louis talent either. He was acquired via trade last season. So, well, two, two, no, is two years ago, three, two, two years ago. Yeah, it's a Randy Rosarena deal. So I think it was uh, 2019 because a Rosarena's big playoff thing was in 2020. So maybe it was at the beginning of 2020. So yeah, it's been two years. It was it been that long, really? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Old Randy Rosarena came in in the playoffs in 2020 out of the minor leagues and uh, dominated. Yeah. Yeah, had a, a fantastic postseason. Yeah, one one for the ages, as they say. Yep. Well, that's just what that uh, that that team and that that system down there just seems to pick guys out of a hat and. You know, they just develop into something. You know, guys you never heard of are just you know stars there. Well, I mean, a Rosarena was a you right. know he was supposed to be a thing, and you know, right. it was kind of eye opening to me that you know that he commanded uh, Matt Liberator because he'd just gotten drafted. You know, just before right. I think in eighteen or no, uh, in nineteen had just been drafted, and he was first round draft pick and. Great arm. I will say, though, that his command doesn't seem to be uh, – it's not there yet. I'll just, I'll just put it that way. Um, okay. He's, he's good. You know, he's, got, he's got awesome awesome stuff, but just the command's not there yet. So that's going to be one of those things. It's probably going to be just like it was for Cease and, you know, and Kopech, where it's just one of those things where it's just going to take a little bit of time for that to develop. You know, coming out, of, coming out as a prep guy, it takes you a little while to develop that command. So, yeah. But, and I have um, to apologize really quickly to anybody watching the stream. Uh, anybody listening on the podcast tomorrow, you won't be seeing this, obviously. But uh, <laughs> I'm over here rubbing my eyes all night long. My allergies have been absolutely atrocious all day today. And go figure. It was like, I don't know, 38 degrees outside. And I was working outside most of the day. But, you know, I don't know what it is. Uh, maybe it's my dogs. You know, they're in the shedding season. But I cannot keep my hands away from my face. I feel like... Uh, Mitch Kramer from uh, from uh, Days and Confused. I can go right to the eyes and the nose all day long. I, all I need is the uh, the Lincecum haircut, just I like can sweep <laughs> it behind my ear all night long. You know. So, <laughs> uh, well, I will say this: uh, when I was in North Carolina, I walked through uh, some of my parents. My parents bought like some a couple of lots that are adjacent to each other, and one of them does not have uh, any buildings on it or anything. Just walking through that property, uh, walking out of the forest, my shoes went from a uh, uh, which uh, from a nice black to uh, black with a hue of green due to the pollen. Oh, picking up pollen, yeah, picking up pollen everywhere out there. Insane, huh? yeah. So when I went to when when uh, me and Grimtall went to the uh, the dash game, there was a guy who was being employed by the team standing up at the top of the section. 
And you know, we're used to seeing that at uh, at the rate where uh, Usher John is over there policing your seat. And uh, if you sit in any seat that is not your assigned seat, he will hunt you down. And he will make you move to your seat, even if it's a better seat. He'll make you move to that seat. You can't sit in a seat that is not yours. Right. Uh, that's not what this guy was doing. This guy had a towel. And as you were walking down, he would follow you down. And he'd say, hey, I'll wipe down your seat for you. And he would wipe the seat and get all the pollen off of it. Because no if kid. you didn't do that, you'd stand up and your your whole you know your butt and your back would be green. It was it was pretty nasty. So, so it's not just you. It's uh, apparently it's a uh, pretty nasty uh, pollen season all around. So, yeah, I'm, I was definitely feeling it today. The uh, the old Zyrtec is uh, not doing its thing for me this afternoon and this evening. Yes, sir. All right. So, uh, do you want to move on to this nine and uh, sorry nine and three uh, six and three. Uh, White Sox team and uh, talk about uh, some of these uh, two early numbers. Absolutely. Uh, since you brought this up to me, uh, I have actually been looking forward to this because this is a uh, this is going to be fun. It's it's kind of fun. <laughs> it, it will get, right, it, yeah. it will get fun <laughs> later because uh, yeah. the the early uh, the early things are the opening segment is not so fun. Right. Um, so I went through and looked at the uh, the OPS for uh, White Sox batters, and uh, as I had mentioned to you off off stream, that uh, Luis Robert and Aloy Jimenez um, are at six hundred five and six hundred OPS, and you know you you look at their batting averages, it's not really all that surprising to be honest, and um, the other thing is that. You know, when you look at the team's overall numbers, um, this is the thing that is kind of mind-blowing when you look at (laughs) not happy with the offense. Yeah, no kidding. You don't don't say. Um, But uh, so their OPS, they are ranked 22nd in MLB, which is, uh, as they say, not good, Bob. Uh, they are bottom third. Yeah, twenty first in runs. Uh, nineteenth bottom third. Yeah, nineteenth in batting average. This is where almost it, bottom third. This is where it gets particularly <laughs> ugly. Uh, when you get to on base percentage and walks. Um, now you look at their strikeout numbers, and they are uh, third in third in baseball in strikeouts. They are. They they have fifty nine strikeouts, which the only people the only, the only teams that are better are the Cardinals with fifty four and the Royals with uh, I, th- I believe uh, fifty one. So you've got one. The Royals are their offense has been brutal. Uh, I think they're uh, they're probably like twenty ninth or thirtieth in like almost every single category. Um, but they don't they're not striking out a lot. Um but the thing for the Royals is they also haven't been walking. They've only walked 17 times this year. The White Sox not far ahead. They only have 19 walks. Which um again, you know, good for uh 
good for 29th in baseball. Like <laughs> every other team other than the Royals is walking. And, and this is, it's not like the, the disparity. It's not like really even all that close. I think the next team up is like at 24 or something like that. So it's, it's, it is a noticeable thing. And obviously that is going to affect their on-base percentage. Um, now that to me tells me though, that, uh, you know, let's just say a number like X Woba, uh, yeah, X Woba for you stat heads out there. It's uh weighted on base percentage or on base average, excuse me. Uh, you know, it, it just sounds like if they're not walking a ton, but they're also not striking out a ton, it sounds like they're putting a lot of balls into the field of play. So I, I would think that FIP and uh, X Woba has got to be, you know, there is got to come into play here. Yeah, one thing that I was uh, that I was meaning to look up, but uh, but I didn't end up getting to it uh, was looking up uh, the team BABIP and seeing what their batting average on balls in play is because it's probably even worse than you know all of these numbers I, I would imagine, or or at <laughs> right. least like on par with their on base percentage, which is a robust two seventy six. Oof. Yeah, which uh, you know, if you've got a, if you had a player on your fantasy team that had a two seventy six OBP, uh, I have to think that you would be looking to drop that player uh, at this point. So, uh, <laughs> right. Obviously, we know that things things will change. You know, I mean, Nick Madrigal with his six forty four OPS is not going to be having a better OPS than Robert and Jimenez for too long, you know? Um, But as of right now, it's fairly embarrassing, you know, when you think about it, that Nick Madrigal, you know, the, the slap hitting second baseman that we traded when he was injured is back and has a better OPS than your two hitters that, you know, well, at least two of, the guys that you're supposed to be leaning on to drive in runs and hit extra base hits. And it's just not happening. Um, right. And then I, you look and then Abreu is at a six sixty one OPS and uh, it's, you know, I, the white Sox have one player in the top 100 in uh, OPS. And that's TA who missed the first two games of the season uh, he has a one thousand, you know, uh, one thousand twenty-one OPS, or however one one hundred twenty-one or whatever, however you want to say it. Uh, but he's fifteenth in uh, in baseball right now with his OPS. Now, here's another one that is not good: is that Nicky, <coughs> Nicky Lopez on the Royals. He's got a 766 OPS. So, you know, right now, Nicky Lopez would be second on the White Sox in OPS. And uh, that's at least I believe, I'm pretty sure that, well, how about this? If you're using the uh, uh, qualified batters, anyway, of qualified batters, he would be the second on the team. Um now, here is uh, an interesting thing that's going on. 
the Guardians, the team that oh. everybody was making fun of, a team that's got the $10 payroll. They have five players in the top 100 OPS in Major League Baseball right now. Uh, you have uh, Jose Ramirez with a 1.386. You have uh, Owen Miller, a first baseman out of Illinois State, a third rounder uh, with a 1.509 OPS. Now, now we know, like I said, this this whole segment is way, way too early, early numbers. <laughs> and I, I know that all this stuff means absolutely nothing, but hey, you know, it's interesting to talk about anyway, right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, barely four four runs a game, and that's with a ten run game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is this is exactly the thing that we complained about all last June, uh, uh, you know, or from, from June, June on. on <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, you know, it, and just, you know, like you see in the chat, you know, that you, you know, if you said anything about it, everybody said, they'll be fine. Relax. You know, you know, you're overreacting. You're being silly. Um, you know, there's all this, you know, all this stuff that, that uh, everybody loves to, uh, you know, kind of try and impose their that their way of fanning and uh, their way of interpreting stats and how things are going to turn out are far superior to everybody else's. And that, you know, I mean, that includes that includes us as well. I mean, we do the same thing. You know, uh, I would say that our track record on this. Uh, on this podcast slash stream has been pretty good with our predictions uh, as far as uh, what's going on and noticing trends. And um, I'll just leave that at that. I won't say anything. Other yeah. Than that. yeah but, no, I agree with you all wholeheartedly. I mean, yeah. we will do that one day. We'll go back and we'll revisit some of those and uh, you know, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll affirm, we'll, we'll give affirmation to our, yeah, you our, know, our I mean, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily, you know, like I'm not looking for street cred here necessarily, but I mean, you know, I, I, I do find it, uh, just the whole dynamic of, uh, the social interaction on White Sox Twitter is just really bizarre, um, <coughs> and very emotional and, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> it's yeah it's just it's 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 a it's, it's a, a weird very thing. good descriptor there <laughs> you, you, i mean you know what i'm saying yeah i'm just i you know like i'm not trying to shame anybody for anything i'm just simply saying that there you know there are different ways to to look at things and people do things differently and see things differently so i mean yeah you know. i mean you know and i'm with you there you fan your way i'll fan my way it's fine i'm not gonna beat you up about the way you fan but uh when I throw a pretty solid number with some history behind it at you and you just kind of, you, you call me a stat head and, you know, I'm a nerd and I'm a geek, but, uh, you know, uh, I watch all the games. Yeah. Well, how are you not seeing what I'm seeing without even looking at the stats? I don't understand that. That's so. Yeah. That's the thing that I don't understand is that all, all these people that talk about, I test this and I test that. And, uh, you know, even you know, even if I was not to use, you know, all of these, uh, you know, look at the the numbers slash uh, analytics, you know, being a 
a stat nerd. Um, even even if I was to do that, it, I wasn't to do that. I would still look at it and go, "What's what exactly is wrong here? What is what is the major malfunction?" And and you know, as as mentioned here, uh, you know, in the chat is something that we're going to get to is that there are some underlying metrics that are very bizarre when seeing the results that the White Sox hitters are getting back from from these things. Um, no, and so- you know, that's the thing, too, is, you know, you talk about watching the game uh, and, and not looking at the metrics, if, even if you weren't that type of uh, fan where you're into uh, the advanced stats and advanced metrics. Uh, you know, if if I'm complaining about what I'm watching, there's you know, uh, there's something wrong with me. But I, you know, don't don't kill my my buzz that that whole mentality of you know, oh they're winning games. Well, I don't know about you, but how exciting is it to watch the White Sox go out and win three to two, or lose three to two, or lose three to one? When like, there's a total of four runs scored being scored by a team. And by two teams, and one of those two teams is, you know, uh, a favorite for going deep into the postseason. Uh, that doesn't, I mean, to me, without even looking at the numbers, would strike me as ah, something's not quite right here. You know, and we're talking about against guys that aren't even the greatest pitchers in the world at times. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just saying, I'm saying what I'm saying, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, so I'll continue on with uh, some of these uh, strange numbers. Uh, so Stephen Kwan on the Guardians, coming out of nowhere, fifth rounder, uh, guy who hardly ever, uh, basically like kind of like a more or less a, a Nick Madrigal with a little bit more pop. Uh, it's 1,079 OPS, uh, Miles Straw, 899, and then uh, Marcado with a 750 OPS, which, you know, isn't stellar by any means but you know it's still uh, it's still better um, than most of the white Sox starting yeah, lineup <laughs> exactly as far as the qualified people on the white Sox, uh it still would be good for second um now here's some other uh here's a couple of other interesting ones and uh i say interesting ones just because uh a couple of guys that uh were mentioned uh when we were talking about free agents um mm. nicholas Castianos, batting three twenty four oh. with a one thousand yeah. OPS. Yeah, I looked um, at that myself the other day. Yeah, uh, so um, you know, he he is a Cub and he is a new Cub, and uh, he wasn't one of the ones that was talked about a ton because he's uh, coming from Japan, and uh, you know. It's kind of an unknown commodity, other than looking at his Japanese stats and you know the the Nippon League. Seiya, yeah, Seiya Suzuki, one point five oh three OPS, and uh, also, uh, as yeah, far he's as, not a spring chicken though. He's got he's like in his late twenties already though. Isn't he? Uh, I mean, he's uh, I think yeah, he's like twenty seven, I think, or something like that. I mean, he's like right in his he's prime. Been, I mean. Yeah, he he's been to, playing pro ball for a while, so he's not exactly – I mean, he's a rookie here. He's not, you know, the typical – Yeah, I think in MLB order for rookie. him to be – I think the 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 qualifier for uh, international players to be free agents and not be amateurs is five years of playing time or 
over the age of 25. So he's over 25 or he's played for over five years. And I think he's played for over five years over there, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I think he's like 27 or something like that. But yeah, the guy is hitting the cover off the ball. Um, And uh, StatCast, uh, his barrels per plate appearance uh, percentage is 17.1%, which is good for third in the league. Uh, Yeah. So that's one of those things, you know, and he did not sign for a huge amount of money, nor did Castellanos really. And uh, those are the kind of numbers that uh, can definitely help out a – uh, a baseball team that's struggling, struggling offense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, another, uh, interesting, uh, thing, extra base hits in the division. Uh, obviously, uh, the guardians as they have five of the top OPSs in, uh, major league baseball in the top 100. Um, and also if you look at all the numbers that they are the number one, Offense in doubles, uh, I believe runs, uh, doubles, triples, home runs, and uh, RBIs, and uh, OPS, OBP, batting average, uh, slugging. They are number one in all of them. Uh, So obviously, uh, as far as extra base hits in the division go, uh, they are numero uno. so uh, coming in second in the division is the White Sox. And, uh, you know, they, they've got 25. So, you know, it's not it's not bad. It's decent, you know. Uh, it's, you know, good for middle of the pack in, uh, in baseball. So that's great. Yeah. You just got to hope that this is a team that doesn't live and die by the home run because we've seen that White Sox team before, and it usually doesn't fare well. Well, yeah, especially since nobody on the team's hitting home runs. So that's an issue as well. Um, right. So, you know, like uh, you've got Andrew Vaughn and Luis Robert are tied for the lead in home runs with two apiece. Um, it's not that they're not hitting, you know, home runs. I mean, they're hitting a an okay amount of home runs. It's just not anything that would uh, inspire you to say that they are the top offense in baseball. Correct. Um, so... Below the White Sox are the Twins uh, with 23 extra base hits, which um, I'm sure that that uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I have to imagine because I was just I just gathered these numbers at like five or six o'clock, so it would likely include uh, their absolute uh, bludgeoning of uh, Dick Mountain earlier today uh, in Boston. Uh, as they were, Rich Hill. yeah, launching uh, home runs uh, into uh, over the green monster and uh, just slapping the ball all over the place. Uh, so, I mean, I would imagine it'd have to include that. Um, so that's probably why they're close to the White Sox. Um, but the Tigers are at 19, and this is the one, you know, especially for all those people who are saying, oh, well, you know, I think this is the Royals' year. And, again, <laughs> I'm going to say – like I've been saying, this is way too early numbers. And I know that what's happened in this very small sample size does not mean anything for the longevity of this season. Uh, and and uh, how about this? The longevity of these type of results for this team. Uh, but they are at 13 extra base hits. 
uh, the Royals. So that's that's not looking pretty. Um, and uh, I will be spending the next three days in Kansas City. Uh, yeah, you talk know. about that. Talk about so, it. Well, uh, you know the uh, the wifey is uh, getting the top award for uh, the uh, hostess brands. You know, Twinkies, whole host, things of that nature. And I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to get into depth into uh, her personal life, but uh, yep. she is being honored with the, the top award uh, nationwide in the company. And uh, they have been kind enough to uh, put us in a nice. Uh, five-star hotel and uh they have some events planned for us we'll be going to dinner at the uh the uh national basketball museum or whatever it is something something along those lines whatever that is over in kansas city mm-hmm. there's some big or maybe it's the college basketball museum i don't know i, said, I, don't, know. I don't know but they have a dinner planned for us there uh big big banquet for her award ceremony and then uh, you know apparently uh Word has gotten out in the company after a few nights with uh, some of her uh, co-workers that uh, she's a singer. So my big thing is, uh, you know, they, they're, they're telling us that we're doing some karaoke one night out in the, uh, you know, local bars of uh, Kansas City. And you can bet your sweet behind that I will be fully representing the White Sox while I'm down there. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, you know, get some reactions from the, uh, the Royals fans down there. So. Oh boy, going to see some Danny karaoke videos surfacing on the inter, inter, interwebs. Uh, as long as they don't end up bloody, we're good. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, you know, you know those those crazy Kansas City fans. Uh, I might get jumped in the doused in barbecue sauce. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I mean, I'm going to say something uh, kind of controversial here. Uh, I'm not a KC barbecue guy. I like uh, Carolina barbecue. Oh, so take that, yeah, Kansas I, I like City. That. I like that. Uh, I like that vinegary key, uh, North Carolina barbecue myself. Yep, I'm into it, um, which is fantastic because I just spent a week there and had barbecue like three times. So, and it was good, yeah. and I enjoyed it. Um, I lived in the South for uh, about six years, going back a few years mm-hmm. ago here. But uh, yeah, I, I enjoy Southern barbecue quite a bit. So I, I like the uh, I like the the uh, the, the Carolina style vinegar based barbecue sauce. I like the white you know mop sauce that they'll do down there in some of those southern states as well too. Uh, but you know I'll give you a review on uh, KC barbecue because I've been told we're going to hit one or two of those joints while we're down there. Yeah, there's I mean there I mean you know don't get me wrong, I will shove it in my face, <laughs> and I and I will eat it. But I will say that you know if I'm rating. Levels of barbecue. Casey's not coming in number one. Take that, Royals. Eat it. Yeah. So uh, a final thing on the offense here as far as uh, offensive numbers. And and, uh, these ones are actually, uh, I do have some nice numbers after all of that uh, negativity stuff. Is that uh, Abreu and Robert are fourth and 11th in their barrel percentage per plate appearance in Major League Baseball for qualified hitters. And I have to imagine that if I was to take the qualifier off, that Vaughn would probably also be on there. Um, But uh, Abreu is at 16.2%, and uh, Robert is at 13.5%. The guys that are ahead of Jose Abreu are 
Giancarlo Don't Call Me Mike Stanton, and Aaron Judge, and Seiya Suzuki. That's kind of a interesting one. Um, but so for people that are not uh, fluent in this, basically what this means is that during each plate appearance, if a guy barrels up the baseball, it goes into a column saying he barreled this up. Well, Luis Robert and Jose Abreu are doing that at an extremely good level, which is one of those things that suggests that their numbers should be uh, quite a bit higher than, uh, you know, their results should show better than they have as of so, you know, as they have not so far. Um, So can we talk about something that's not nice? I mean, I suppose. I I, I thought we started that way. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because pretty much all that stuff was pretty much not nice, and I I didn't like Uh, it. Yeah, none of that was uh, all that great. Yeah, I would say that that is not uh, not one of my favorite things to talk about is the uh, the results so far from the offense. All right, okay, here we go. No, oh, Larry uh, Baseball. That's oh, what man. we want to talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. We could do a whole show about that. To be honest with you. Well, yeah, because it's been because it happens so much. Well, That's, I mean, you're he's played in seven of nine games. Your utility guy. He's played in seven of nine games. He's played more than Andrew Vaughn, who we have had beaten down our throats uh, since he's been brought up last year. Uh, and, you know, I, I will be the first to say, again, this is the way too early numbers segment. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is, uh, when he is in the game, seems to be hitting pretty well. And uh, you know, Even we against have, right-handed pitching. Yes, and, and we beat him up a little bit about that, uh, you know, going into the season here. Uh, for good reason. I mean, we saw some things last year that needed some work and who knows, maybe he worked on all those things. And, uh, in his sophomore season, he'll, uh, he has figured some things out, which we all hope for, you know, we, uh, we expect him to, uh, progress and get better, but, uh, yeah. Seeing Larry baseball play at third base when Jake Berger is also hitting right-handed pitching. Yeah. And, and uh, he's doing well. well at it. Yeah. Yeah. He's hitting the ball well. And, uh, you know, Larry Baseball, not so much. Yeah. So but, here, uh, here's uh, some wonderful stats for you. Uh, so 23 at bats for Larry Garcia. <sighs> Larry Garcia has been on base once. No walks. I I mean to his credit he does only have four strikeouts. So that that is an achievement for him because he does to, he does like to do his uh his fair share of chasing. So I will say that that is a positive for him is that you know he has a double to his credit. Uh so that's that's good, you know. I mean 1 for 23 with a double. Yeah, and but yet he's got twenty three at bats. You know who doesn't have twenty three at bats? Jake Berger. He's got Jake twenty Berger at bats. Have- yeah. yeah, he has twenty at bats, and he's batting three hundred with a three thirty three OBP and a five hundred slugging. Good for an eight thirty three OPS. Now, do you want to tell me why? I mean, other than that day where uh, 
Josh Harrison left the game when he tweaked his back and the next day where he was out uh, resting his back. Why you would even consider moving Josh Harrison to third base and putting Leury at second base instead of putting in Jake Berger. And I do not want to hear about platoon splits. <laughs> I I. I do not want to hear it. Uh, no. Like I'm, I'm so tired of this, of this dance of, you know, oh well, you know, we just gotta, you know, this is like this reminds me, and and I'm not saying that that Leury is not going to bounce back and hit his normal 240 that he hits every year, you know, or 250 or whatever, you know. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's not going to happen. However, when I sit here. And watch him, and this happened last year. Same exact thing is that he was forced into the lineup for like a month straight and didn't hit. And then all of a sudden, when it, you know, when it got like decently warm outside, he started hitting better. And I'm not saying that you know the weather has anything to do with this. I'm not saying anything has anything to do with anything. But I will tell you this: I don't want to see a hundred at bats from this idiot where he's batting. 050 you know well here's here's my take on the whole thing is you know at bats whatever his number is at the moment why why is your utility player your utility man he has been given that label since day one that label has not changed <laughs> uh unless you're talking to tony Larusso, who says tlr or i'm, I'm sorry it says uh leori is an everyday player well, the only reason he's an everyday player is because Tony puts him in every day. But why is your utility man playing more than guys who have a solid single position that they play on the field, that they were drafted for, that they have been trained, and they have honed their craft to do? Yeah, so this is something that actually that I thought about earlier this week and that I wanted to bring up here when I knew that this Lauri thing would come up. Uh and, uh, it, it was says, inevitable. <laughs> if, if he was a Yolmer level defender, I could get it, but he's not. He's not close. I'd much rather see Mendick. Now, I can't say that I would necessarily rather see Mendick. I would rather that Romy Gonzalez be here, even though he's had kind of a rough time down in uh, down in Charlotte with his defense. I think he's got like four errors at shortstop, which you know, whatever. Um, yeah, right. that's not good. But uh, I've seen him play defense, and he plays. He plays a a decent defense. He's not, you know, I, I don't expect him to be a great defender, but he hits. Now, the yes. thing about Leuri is that you have been, you've had this drilled into your head that, you know, A, that he's a utility player, or B, by uh, our good, uh, our good buddy, um, who has told you that he is an everyday player at multiple positions. He's not a utility player. There's old Tony. Yes. The old Tony Turkey Trot. So <laughs> here's the thing about Leori <clears throat> is, you know, if you're looking at his batting numbers and you are not impressed, well, guess what? You shouldn't be because they're not very good. But because you're told that he's 
a utility player and that he can play so many positions and he's so useful because he's so versatile. Here's the thing. Last year, Larry Garcia, 2.2 war, which is a hair above replacement level baseball player. All of that war was from his offense, which was slappy with an occasional home run. Yes, I understand he hit a home run in the playoff game. Way to go, dude. Um, But none of his war value, none was from his defense. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are a utility player and you are useful at so many different positions, should you not be looked at as a positive when you are in that position? Because that's not what I see when I see Leir Garcia play defense, is that I don't actually see him doing anything positive when it comes to helping. I, I almost positive that he's got uh, – he had two errors the other day, and he had another error that uh, – I, th- I think he's got four errors already this year. And I, you know, like I understand that Yolmer Sanchez, the year that he won his Gold Glove, he also started terrible, and everybody wanted to launch him into the sun, and then he ended up winning a Gold Glove. But you know what? The difference is, is that Larry doesn't have a track record of being a a great defender. He has a track record of being a decent hitter and, and a, a mediocre defender, a decent glove with a good arm, right. But the and thing you is, know that's funny thing that you bring up with the good arm is that a couple of his errors, if I'm not mistaken, at least well we know one was a, a throwing error, an awful one to be honest with you. If you uh, if you recall, if you watched that game the other day, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I just I don't like I I just don't get it, you know. Like, I don't understand. And, and the thing is, is that they signed him to a three-year deal. He's a utility man, and they signed him to a three-year, what, $18 million contract as a utility guy. When you had plenty of guys that could come up, you had Yolbert Sanchez, you had, who's killing the ball, by the way. Uh, you yeah, had Romy Gonzalez, who plays second base, shortstop, and all the outfield positions. When he was drafted, was announced as an outfielder. And he played his first full year almost in the outfield. You had a bunch of guys. Then you signed Josh Harrison, who is also capable of playing every position on the field except for catcher. And you signed him to be your everyday second baseman after you had already signed this dope to a three-year, you know, $18 million contract. And, you know, like the thing is, like I said, I'm not expecting this to be Larry's output for the entire year. But the thing is, is we know what he is. And it's not a plus on either side of the baseball. He no. is a guy that can you can he's a warm body that if somebody gets injured that you can plug him into a bunch of places. But the thing is is that you're not going to see any positive results when you put him in those places. Right. So why do you yeah. sign this guy to a three year deal? And I mean it's not like we haven't mentioned this before, but I mean it's just uh, kind of one of those things that now that I'm talking about, I'm getting worked up and you're letting <laughs> me get worked up. Well, here's the thing. You know, I don't disagree with anything with what you're saying right now. 
obviously, I have been uh, pretty much in uh, uh, lockstep with you on this whole thing since we have been talking about it for God knows how long. Uh, but, uh, you know, and this has been brought up in some of the chats that I've been a part of. And, uh, you know, it, it yesterday, Easter Sunday, the lineup card makes its way out to the socials. And lo and behold, no Leary Garcia. And everybody rejoiced. The whole, I mean, I saw it everywhere. There was rejoicing in all of the different Facebook groups. There was rejoicing on Twitter, uh, you know, and everybody was like, hey, no 04 Leary today. And uh, I thought, you know, my very first comment on all of that stuff, and I I made this comment in a few different places, was, well, of course there's no Leary Garcia today. Do you know why? Because it's a Sunday getaway game, and TLR likes to start, at least likes to sit some of his starters. Yes, that's that is a great point. <laughs> Your starters generally, you know, they sit on a on a Sunday. Um, I I also did see that somebody said that it was a uh, that it was an Easter miracle that uh, that TLR did not start Lairi on Sunday, and uh, to my my thought was that. Uh, he is sitting. He is sitting indeed. You know, it's uh, that uh, church callback thing. Um, anywho, <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I'm just uh, – the, the whole Lairi thing is just so um, perplexing, you know? Like I just uh, – and, and, you know, it's mentioned here in the chat, and, I, and I, I've seen – you know, I've seen him do it multiple times. I saw him do it with the A's uh, where he had Stan Javier and uh, – um, what's his name? Uh, Mike Gallego and uh, yeah, and then in St. Louis, you saw you know with uh, Miguel Cairo and uh, uh, Super Joe, you know where he's got a pair Super of his, he's got a pair of his cleats at his house. They're such good friends, and he loves him so much as a utility player. I mean, that's you know that's the guy that we're talking about here. So I mean, it's it shouldn't really be too much of a surprise. Yeah, that we'll, we'll, we'll move David Eckstein all over the field, you know. <laughs> yeah, like we'll take all these guys that have absolutely no business playing the position that they're playing in, just so we can get Larry Garcia in. You know, and I, and I just yeah, it's so angry. <sighs> <sighs> all right, uh, okay, woo saw. Yeah, Woo-sa. I got a Larry career negative seven DRS. <laughs> so so typical. Uh, yeah, yay! All right, so it's let's yeah, let's move on to the uh, pitching <laughs> stuff, which is some stuff that's uh, at least pseudo pleasant to talk about. Um, yes, to a let's point. Do that. To a point. Um, mm. I didn't do any of the uh, bullpen stuff just because I didn't have time and. There's only so many hours in a day, but um, so right. the staff ERA, like I had mentioned earlier, eighth in baseball, three point two four ERA. Uh, they are third in saves in MLB with five. Um, there are two teams that have six. I think there's a seven and a six, and. Uh, yeah, those five have been uh, white knuckle most of the time. They absolutely have been. Um, yeah, I mean it's the same thing as last year. You know where it took uh, Liam a little while to get a some feel for his uh, his slider because right now his slider is not sliding. He's not able to command it in the strike zone. 
either yeah. either it's not sliding or it's sliding way too much when he already started it on the outside corner, and uh, that's not going to work out so well. So lots of fastballs and lots of balls going straight in the air, kind of kind of like a bummer and his sinker that doesn't sink right now. Um, right. It's just uh, you know last you know there's it's been all over Twitter, but you know last year elite level actually the last couple of years elite level of ground balls and this year i think that he hasn't gotten one unless it's changed in the last two days but hasn't gotten a ground ball out yet this year um lots of fly balls which is not what you want to see out of a sinker ball pitcher no um but uh they are tied for third with uh hits given up as well which is really nice to see um as they're tied uh, with the Guardians uh, and the Giants for 62 hits that they've given up, I didn't, I don't remember who's second and first, but um, they only have two qualifying pitchers for stats right now, which is uh, the qualifiers one inning per game for your team. So the only two guys that qualify are Kopech with nine innings in nine games. Uh, made it by the skin of his teeth and uh, and cease, which ten point two innings pitched, which should you know, have been eleven at least. But I digress. Him getting yeah. yanked, one out left in the inning, and we get an apology. We get a post game apology from uh, from Tony Larusa yet again. <laughs> yeah, well, no, because the thing was he didn't apologize. What Tony did was he said. Uh, they said, any thought uh, about leaving Season after that? And he's like, no, no, absolutely not. You know, we, we wanted to get him out of there right then because, you know, it's early in the season, blah, 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 you know, which fine. You know, I happen to be one of the uh, one of the few people, well, not few people, I'm sure. I'm sure that there's <laughs> a lot of people who, who are on this side of the road, but I was fine with Kershaw getting pulled out of that perfect game. Because uh, ooh, I don't know. You can, uh, yeah, no you, hitter, can, you can say what no you want. No hitter, one thing. You no can say what you thing. want. Third game under eighty pitches. I don't know if I would do that, even if this early in the season. Don't care. Last year, he had arm issues, so this he is pitched. True. So he pitched sparingly for the last month of the year. This off season, he didn't throw a baseball for months because. He didn't want to put the wear and tear on his elbow. So now, because he's got a perfect game, because he's so awesome at pitching, think about that. He's so awesome at pitching that after not throwing a ball for three months, he comes back and throws the ball for three weeks, and he's got a perfect game going into the eighth inning. But the thing is, is that you're not worried about... I mean, I understand it's a perfect game, and yes, that's history, blah, blah, blah. But the thing is, is that do you think that if Clayton Kershaw wanted to go out and pitch that eighth inning, that they wouldn't have let him pitch that eighth inning? I think he was perfectly fine with it and knew that he should probably continue to gradually ease his way into the game. Now, and I mean, they were. Don't up, get me wrong. They were I don't think him. it. I don't think it's it's not the smart move. I, I it. By all means, I, I believe it is the smart move to pull him there. But as a fan, that's where, you know, and, and this is where my opinions differ. You know, my my analytical self says that's a good move. 
And this is probably why I will never be a coach at any, you know, sort of level above Little League. But uh, my analytical mind says, yeah, that's a great move, uh, especially with an abbreviated uh, spring, you know, uh, ramp up for these guys. Uh, as a fan, when you go, okay, he's, he's got 78 pitches thrown. Yeah, fine. And the last time we saw a perfect, I mean, we've seen a handful of no-nos, but there's been, you know, something like, I don't even know how many games, you know, across baseball altogether, but it was, it's been a little bit, I, you know, I like to see it. And in that, only that, you know, said he was coming off of an injury and, you know, there's that, that whole Cinderella story, you know, he's, he's in the highlight or he's in the, the twilight of his career, as some would say, you know, up in the, uh, you know, mid thirties and, you know, still doing the things that he's doing, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I would have liked to have seen it. Am I mad about it? Absolutely not. For one, I would have liked to have seen talk. it also. I, I'm not, like I said, I would, I've liked to have seen him throw a perfect game. Yeah, sure. But the thing is, is that they have like a $399 billion payroll, Right. But the one thing that they're the one thing that they have a bunch of issues in is starting pitching. Right. And at- you've got a bunch of guys in that starting rotation that they they've they've got a lot of starting pitching and they have some really good starting pitching. But a bunch of those guys have had injuries within the last couple of years. So trying to keep one of the ones who is the best almost, you know, like one of the best pitchers to ever pitch in baseball, keeping him healthy or getting him a perfect game on April 12th or whatever it is, it makes more sense to keep him healthy, at least in in my opinion. Right. No, I understand that. Yeah, that's just just where I'm coming from. But this isn't a Dodgers – this isn't Dodgers Daily Live. No, you're right. Absolutely. White Sox Daily Live. Let's get back to that. Um, so, uh, uh, for ERA, uh, Kopech is 14th in baseball, but he's only got nine innings pitched and he's allowed one earned run. He's allowed two runs, one earned run. So he's got a 1.00 ERA. It's pretty good. You know, he's got eight K's in those nine innings, which is, it's okay. There's been a little bit, uh, a little less swing and miss than I would like so far. Um, but uh, again, short and ramp up though. You yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I mean, his his whip is point seven eight, which is That's good for fifteenth in baseball, which is wonderful. Yeah. And I'm not complaining about that. You know, I mean, it's good. I'm not complaining about Kopech at all, and the fact that he's having some command issues and walked a couple of guys. I get that. It's like I'm not no sweat. You know, fine. Um. Now. We talked about it, uh, and it was brought up. I, I believe it was uh, Xavier that brought up uh, Dylan Cease being uh, a monster this year. Um, we had talked about it several times before that. Um, but uh, Cease is uh, 1.69 ERA, good for 24th in Major League Baseball, with a .94 whip, which is good for 23rd. Uh, his 139 batting average against and his 16 Ks 
Uh, his 16Ks is third, and his uh, batting average against this, uh, against is 12th. Uh, Michael Kopech's 107 batting average against is good for third, which is awesome. Now, uh, what's not so awesome mm. is when you look at uh, the barrel on the converse side, barrels per plate appearance percentage. We have Abreu and Robert who are up top uh not good is that the uh ninth worst uh nine up from the absolute worst in major league baseball you have vince velasquez at 12.5 percent barrels per plate appearance percentage that is not good, and I understand that he had a much better first outing than he did second outing, and that he, you know, there was a interview yesterday saying, "Oh, well, this is what went wrong in this in this first inning yesterday, and why it was so bad." And I will give him, you know, I will give him credit that he did manage to stick through four and two thirds or whatever it was. Uh, but uh, that guy's. Um, he is mop, you know, like like we said from the very beginning, mop-up duty, you know. There might be some things that he can improve upon, but you know what? Uh, improving on absolute horse crap is not really, is, is still not good, you know? No. It, it's, if I know that he's one of the worst pitchers in baseball last year, and then he comes here and he's only like, you know, bottom third of baseball, that's not what this team needed, and it's uh, quite frankly, you know, it just goes to show the, uh, you know, the misfire from the front office in uh, assessing what they had. And I understand that well, Gino and Lynn are injured, but you, hey, well, that's exactly what I was just about to bring up. Is you talk about Vince Velasquez being mop up duty. And, uh, I mean, is he really mop-up duty at this point? Because we know Lynn. He's a starter. Yeah. Lynn's going to be out for a little bit here yet. Uh, you know, uh, I, I honestly, I looked, I want to say yesterday, and hadn't really heard anything on the progress of uh, one Lucas Giolito. Which, yeah. <laughs> what's that? Oh, he's. It's stated that he's throwing and throwing without any issues, but he's still going to miss another start. So right. right now, Vince Velasquez is your fourth starter. Number four. Number four. It's insane. Number four. I like. I. I. I do not care that Giolito and Lynn are injured because you knew that Kopech wasn't going to be throwing a lot of innings. Right. The fact that Vince Velasquez is your fourth starter right now, regardless of injuries, is I no, I'm not giving him a pass for that. No. And you know, had the White Sox extended at, at the very least a qualifying Carlos Rodon, which you and I both stated we think he might have taken at eighteen point four million dollars. You know, yeah, Carlos Rodon if he might have, and even if he didn't, twenty-two million a year for the next two years isn't, you know, it wasn't going to break the bank by any means. Nope. Uh, and you're you're talking short term. If 
what most White Sox fans worry about him was, was that, uh, you know, he's had some injury history. It's only a two-year deal. You're not extending him for, you know, four or five, six, seven years, which we know typically does not happen in the White Sox organization anyway. But, uh, you know, let's just say Carlos Rodon is now, you know, in st- he's, he's still in your rotation in this 2021 season. And now when it comes to mop-up duty, instead of looking at Vince Velasquez, you're looking at Dallas Keuchel. Third, yeah, I'm sorry. Did you say the third starter? Oh, oh Dallas is Keuchel? That, yes. Starter number, number three. three. Yes. That's starter number three. three. Starter. Yes. Because after last year, <laughs> that's exactly where you wanted to put Dallas Keuchel. And, you know, like, I will say that one of the things that he's been very lucky about is that it's been crap weather with rain that are slowing down his ground balls. And he's got Josh Harrison behind him now playing a very nice second base to pair with Tim Anderson and Abreu and Berger in the infield has looked pretty decent. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks, Grim. How you doing, buddy? Resubscribe for nine months. Look at that TA swagger. There it is. Can we bring can we bring up the uh, the Tony Larusa 5K one more time? I, oh, I yeah, know, I absolutely. Gotta, I gotta say, I can never get enough of watching this guy run across our screen during can't streams. Get enough TLR. Listen, I, I dude, honestly, I can't get enough. I think it's hilarious. Uh, you know, and it, and it suits the conversation quite often. If you're one of our uh, if you're one of our podcast listeners and you haven't uh, come in to check out the screen yet, uh, Ian has put together uh, some some neat graphics that uh, I think you guys should at least pop in and, and check out at least once. Come see us live, you know, but yeah. uh, I, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that uh, Grimtall <laughs> brought up is that uh, as an alert that we need a, um, so a guy, when we were at the, uh, at the dash game, um, I'm blanking right now. Uh, totally blanking on, on names. <laughs> um Rosenbeck. Yeah, so he assaulted this poor Rosenbeck. And you know what? I'm going to have to I'm going to have to go and find this thing cuz it was it's just it's too funny. Like I I've <laughs> never I have never seen it before. Um it was the most ridiculous thing I had ever seen before uh before a pitcher went on. Um, but I have to say that, you know, like, uh, even after TLR is gone, I kind of have a feeling that jogging Tony is going to stick around for oh, uh, he's a gonna, long he's, time. He's definitely going to be a staple uh, in this show. I can I can tell you that right now. Yeah, I don't see yeah, how I mean, in good conscience that I could n- take it out. You know, I did it on accident one time, but yeah, uh, it was last. Was it the last stream we were uh, we were looking for? It was, it was just you yeah, know, it just wasn't uh, there. He just went incognito for a while, but uh, I think that's going to be one of those moments that uh, kind of lives in infamy in uh, the history of White Sox. The you know, when you look annals. back and you talk about, yeah, I mean, you know, you think of uh, things like uh, Eddie Goodell. 
being brought into you know th- th- some of the, some of the antics that uh, Bill Vec was known for in his day, you know that are still talked about to this day. I think that Tony Larusa running out onto the field to be held back, <laughs> to be held back by the oh, opposing yeah. catcher. He was gonna go in. <laughs> He's going to go and impose some real justice. Yeah. Yeah. All 80 some odd years of him is, you know. (laughs) Okay. I found it. It's Frazier Ellard uh, for uh, those who don't know. Um, I'm going to have to go and get this thing, uh, get this thing ready here. Screen share. All right. All right. Why is that not showing up? I I did see this video uh, on the old uh, tweet machine. I yeah. I don't. Uh, And it was quite uh, (laughs) impressive. Yeah. If I can, if I can actually get it to work now. Um, Where is this stinking thing? Okay. There's that. No, not that one. Uh, Da 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 da. Yeah, See, this is where we man. need some sponsors. I could, I could, uh, yeah, do like some sort of ad you... read or something. Yeah, you yeah, know, that sounds like a, yeah, that's what we need. Yeah, Chico's Bell Bonds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, come up with something sooner or later, I'm sure. You know, all right, no, not image. Uh, go window capture. Yes, uh, I'll have to put, I'll have to put in a call to the to the uh, the advertising department and the promotions department over at Ripped Fuel. They can put my face next to their bottle and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, hocking their stuff. <laughs> All right. All right. So here is our buddy, uh, Fraser Ellard. Uh, he is a reliever for the Winston Salem Dash, and uh, this guy, he. Uh, you know, like the uh, the coach says in uh, Johnny Be Good, he says, "Get a mean on." You know, he likes to get all fired up before he starts uh, before he starts pitching. And this guy, he takes his uh, his anger out on a poor rosin bag. And I have never seen this before, and it's funny. So here it is. Yes, and that was uh, this Where one. Where is it? I missed it. I'm oh, not seeing see it. it. You don't see it? Oh, no. that's because I'm an idiot. Here, there you go. No, that's there. It. it is. All right. No, you don't. Why is what? Ooh. You know, let me check something out here. Uh, I'm seeing it. Yeah, you're seeing. I'm it. seeing it here. And as everybody else is not seeing it. Yeah, now. see, that's what I think it is. I think nobody else is seeing it now. Let me see. Let's try this one more time. That should that one should be on the old stream, and I'm gonna look it up right now because I've got one of these uh, these here internet machines. I can look it up. <laughs> All right, let me look here. Let's see here. Yep, I can see it on the old stream. Looks wonderful. There we go. There we go. Oh well, yeah, he's really. Uh... <laughs> Really putting a charge of that thing down yeah. in the firing it into the mound there. Hilarious. And like the thing is is that it's it's uh I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna have to probably clip that and make that into uh some sort of some sort of something. I don't know what I'll do with it, but I'm gonna do something with it. 
And, Every time uh, we do a stream and Leori's got more starts than, uh, you know, somebody else on the team that should be starting, we would just open up with that. Yeah. And I think what I'm going to have to do, I think <laughs> I'm going to have to go and um, I'm going to have to go and get the clip the first one because that's the second one. Uh, and that's the one I took live. Um, there's there is one somewhere that I took of him destroying this poor rosin bag uh, the, on the first time <laughs> through the order where he just he annihilated that thing there's just a big puff of white smoke that came from the from the pitcher's mound and, I, and both me and Grimtall are just dying laughing watching it hilarious anyway so um show me your war face <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly and then he destroys <laughs> innocent bystander rosin bag just sitting there up you know what did it do and you know like so so you brought up carlos rodan it's like you almost read my mind or you saw that i had written down some of the stats uh that he's got going on right now um guess who's first in strikeouts uh not vince velasquez correct yeah carlos rodan 21 strikeouts and 12 innings pitched He's Ooh, got that's, uh, uh, that's at least a number. Yep, twelve innings pitched, which is uh, good for uh, first on the White Sox, uh, with a inning and a third more than uh, Dylan Cease. Point uh, seven five WHIP, which is uh, good for fourteenth in the league. Uh, One twenty eight batting average against, tied for ninth, and uh, you know just like uh, Kopech and Cease uh, in runs. He is tied for 213th, which all three of them are tied for 213 because they've given up two runs each, which I'm not saying any of this stuff to slight Kopech or Cease. It's more just that, you know, I wish that they would have re-signed Carlos Rodon. And I've seen, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, Kopech was the one who replaced Rodon. And sure, fine. My reply to that is, is okay, that's cool. Um, my issue with that is that he's on an innings limit, and you knew he was going to be on an innings limit. So you need you knew that you were going to need extra pitching. And when the lockout ended and it had eaten into spring training and you knew you had a, a smaller window to get ready, Rick Hahn said – well, we know with this lock, you know, with the lockout that we are going to need more starting pitching. It I is thought, a priority. Yeah, it's a we're priority. Going priori- we're going so, to prioritize pitching. I figured direct quote. as a uh, critical thinking uh, human being that when he said that he was going to get uh, that pitching was a priority and uh, that they would sign um, not Vince Velasquez. Oh. Uh, or something that is as far away from what Vince Velasquez is, or at least make an effort to get something that is much better than Vince Velasquez. And I don't, you know, I am, I was not one of those people that was um, rooting for the Mania trade because I didn't necessarily want it. I, I think that the only the only prospects that anybody else wants. Are the ones that the White Sox don't want to give up. 
Right. And and, I'll agree with that 100%. Yeah, there's the, there's the whole, th- you know, the whole thought that you have to break some eggs to make an omelet, blah blah blah. I get that. Um however, no. one year of of Sean Manaya didn't seem like a, you know, necessarily like no, the, it's, the wisest it's idea. Not, it's not a fair trade for, uh, you know, an Andrew Vaughn who uh, Cer- certainly know, not uh, Andrew Vaughn. I'm not even talking right. about Andrew Vaughn. That, that right, when I and that saw seemed that, to be the like, No, that was that was the big ass that's been, that's been rumored to been going around. Uh, so definitely not worth that. There, I I will agree with that. Um, but you know, I, I and I'm looking at the chat here, and it says uh, you know we were told that uh, there was no room for Rodan <laughs> because of Dallas Keuchel, and wow. Keuchel had a better better track record, and Rodan. Only had one good year, and I, first of all, I'll argue against that, that he only, that he only had one good year. That's kind of a mistake because he had one really good year, but then he also had another good year. Although it's been a few years since that happened. Uh, Wowzers! But, you know, here's the thing, Dallas Keuchel. If you go back to his Cy Young year, which I believe was 2016, if I'm not mistaken, mm. 20 game winner. Uh, probably had like 36 or 37, 38 appearances, something like that. Uh, you know, ever since the following season, the year after he got hurt, missed like 10, 11 starts, you know, roughly something like that. The year after that, he missed some time. The year after that, he missed some time. Then he holds out with the Braves. And misses an entire half a season before signing as a free agent with the Braves and only gets like 18 or so starts, something like that. It's, it's because they attached a qualifying offer to him, wasn't it? That they attached yeah. a qualifying And so yeah. there was a draft pick attached to him. So nobody wanted to sign him because he sucked the year before. Right. So they weren't going right. to give him a bunch of money and then give away a draft pick. Right. So, yeah. I, you know, it, that... And, and this is something we haven't really talked about on this stream, and I don't know why, but every time that's the Keuchel, there's no room for Ron because of Kopech and Keuchel. So, so and I'm thinking to myself, you know, after what we saw last year from Keuchel, do we want him to hit his uh, his innings kicker for the additional option year on his contract? And I, I think after last season, most could say no, especially now that he not only is it a, an option season, but he gets a big jump in salary next year as well if he gets that if he hits that uh, his innings. Uh, Just what so we want. I, I really don't understand that logic whatsoever in that argument. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. But yeah, I mean, we could have had it, it, you. You might end up paying Dallas Keuchel twenty million dollars next year, or you could have had Carlos Rodon at twenty two. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine ah. if ah. it becomes, I mean, and this is the thing. And, and like, I had thought about this before. Just think that if you're starting pitching um, depth ends up getting so trashed that you have to rely even on a, uh, even if you're looking at a, of his of his uh, Cy Young year, say you're looking at sixty five percent of the production of his Cy Young year, and your depth is so shot that you have to rely on Dallas 
Keuchel because your dumbass didn't go out and sign another actual starting pitcher that you end up triggering the escalator option for Keiko for next year. It's like a double kick in the balls. And it's not a small option. It's a $20 million option year. Exactly. So not only did you not get Rodon because you didn't want to pay 22 this year, but you don't get him for $22 million next year. And you, get and you have to pay Keiko 23 for half of the production. Like, oh, man. Yeah. It, Grim it would says be that would be so, so awkward. Yeah, so White it, Sox. It would be the soxiest, one of the soxiest things I've seen. Oh, my. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. That would just uh, be the icing on the cake for absolute <laughs> stupidity of an offseason that we've seen from this year. I mean, oh, Lordy. Yeah. And, you know, here we go again. Keeping up with the moniker of uh, self self imposed moniker of uh, bitchiest duo on uh, White Sox <laughs> podcast, uh, yeah. But I mean, mm. I just even the mere thought of that reality actually happening, I will lose my mind if that happens. I mean, it just I just can't. The argument that. Rodon is got an injury history. So does DK. I'm sorry. Hey, well, guess who's not on the injured list right now? Carlos Rodon. Guess who is? Lance Lynn with a knee for a month, and Giolito's on the on the injured list. Oh, is that that's that's two of your top three starting pitchers? No. Hmm. Um. So who who had Tommy John? Oh, Michael Kopech. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Um, and he's an extra year out of his uh, out of his rehab from Tommy John because, uh, unlike uh, Carlos Rodon, they didn't make him delay getting Tommy John surgery. Trying Not to one, rehab, but for twice, a year. right? Well, the first one was from bursitis. The second one was for Tommy John. Go ahead well, and rehab right. it. We'll just go ahead and prolong it so you can't have your Tommy John surgery for but another eight months. They, and they put the they put the bursitis uh, issue off for it was almost two years, I believe, actually. Where he pitched through shoulder pain before yeah, he had no, the yeah, like, exactly. factor move. Yeah, I so, brought. Yeah, I, I ended up bringing this know. up uh, on. I brought it up in multiple social media areas, but not only a did they delay surgery for him twice, and essentially made him try to rehab uh, what ended up being Tommy John uh, and the bursitis uh, issue. Um, and then he ended up having like a like what was it like a cleanup afterwards, which wasn't like a huge big uh, you know wasn't like a, a no huge yeah no deal. no big deal. But um, Carlos Rodon was drafted by the White Sox in 2014. Okay, he was brought up quickly because he was a uh, advanced arm in college. Uh, one Don Cooper had his hands and eyes on Carlos Rodon for many years. Uh Not once did he make any attempt to fix the leg drive issues for Carlos Rodon. 
Yeah, I mentioned this in a, in, in a few places myself. Ethan Katz comes in. The first thing he does is addresses the leg drive issue. He goes from Tommy John surgery looking like he has absolutely no business on a baseball field getting put in high leverage relief spots in a playoff run and in a playoff game by your dope manager who had no business being here either at any point in time. (laughs) I don't care. Oh, well, he's a rebuild manager. No, there's a reason why he's not been a manager before this and why nobody else has hired him since shocker um and he goes from that to you know because it's his first uh his first season his first full season after tommy john um he ends up getting a dead arm after like 140 innings Duh. Which, no kidding. Yeah. If you didn't see that coming. (laughs) Yeah. Like, we, if you did not see that coming, then I don't know what to tell you because you've never watched baseball before. I mean, there was one guy who ended up pitching around 200 innings uh, after uh, Tommy John surgery, and he was on the Indians. trying to remember who it was i had mentioned it on here before but it's only happened once where a guy won the cy young award after tommy john surgery and it was a guy on the indians uh i can't remember who it was uh some guy in the uh mid 2000 maybe 2010 or something like that i forget anyway um but it's only happened once. And had he pitched a hundred, had he been in the qualifying and he had pitched, continued to pitch like he had pitched the rest of the year, no, he he's probably a, a leader for the Cy Young Award, the American League. And you yeah. let that walk. Yeah, he's bare minimum top three if he pitched yeah. the way he did the first half of the season. Yep, bare minimum and, top uh, three at Cy Young. Yeah, votes. But we're gonna keep Dallas Keuchel. We're not going to trade him for a bag of balls, or, or just use him as uh, use him as the guy who, after Kopech peters out after three innings because you've got him on a pitch count, you throw him afterwards. I think it's a crappy idea, but you could do that if you want to keep his innings down so you don't hit the yeah. escalator. You do that so you've got an experienced pitcher coming in after Kopech, or you do Raylo. Who hasn't looked great well, here so far? Either, not only but that, I mean, not only that, you look at it. You got your supposed workhorse in Lance Lynn that you just after uh, making a trade this season before, and you get them this contract. Also had Tommy him, John, right? And, and you, and you, you get him. And, and what did he? What happened last year? This guy who uh, he got left out to die once or twice mid season. Uh, a little after the, the the break and was throwing 120, 130 pitches. And lo and behold, went through a bit of a dead arm period himself. The guy who's not supposed to have those problems. And yeah. now here we are going into 2022, and you've got a guy who went through dead arm because he just hadn't pitched in a while. 
in Carlos Rodon, but when he did pitch well, he was Cy Young caliber pitcher. And you've got your workhorse pitcher in Lance Lynn, who had a dead arm period last year because he was just overused a few times. And you knew you had these issues going into the season, and you did nothing. And he's 34. Oh, oh, there's that too. And how old is Dallas Keuchel? 34. Going to be 35 midseason. You know, uh, but hey, we're going to hang our hats on Lucas Giolito, who struggled last year. And as Cease is going to take a step. Cease is going to take a step. Michael Kopech so we'll is going to come out. And, and Michael Kopech is going to give us 140 innings. And we'll just plug and play whatever we can in between there. And plug by plug and play, we mean Vince Velasquez and a, a minor leaguer. Tanner because Banks. We can't, uh, because we can't Jimmy use, Lambert. Yeah, because we can't use Garrett Crochet because, oh, somebody else is having Tommy John. There's that Tommy John word again. Yep. TJ. TJ, I told you not to come back <laughs> around here. Fantastic um, offseason plan. Fantastic. It's not like this is the first time that I feel like we've talked about this. No, we haven't. But, you know, again, like you earlier in the in the, the podcast last stream, I get a little uh, fired up when we get to certain uh, yeah. certain uh, topics. Yeah, we only mentioned it every single freaking stream. <laughs> since, <laughs> well, since, you uh, said we... We have to live up to our our uh, self given. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's just insanity. Title here. But oh well, you know, is what it is. Um, yeah. So uh, overall, uh, I guess the thing that you could take away from uh, this podcast slash slash stream is uh, the offense has been terrible uh, for the most part, um, but they should. Uh, take a step in the right direction, and uh, hopefully things start falling their way with uh, the uh, Babip hopefully becoming a thing. Yes, Giolito and Cease, both TJ. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everybody's had TJ. I mean, it's it's so. I mean, inj- history of injuries. Yeah, and like I said, who's to blame for putting it off and making it go over four seasons? The White Sox oh, well, training staff. Well, we're gonna and we're gonna address that White Sox training staff this off season by promoting a new head of strength and conditioning. Oh, and where did they promote that guy from within the organization? Yes, As from within I, the organization. We're gonna we're gonna take somebody who's been getting it wrong already, and we're gonna make him the new guy. Let's promote him. The, hey. You know, you know, Rick. Uh, what I was thinking is that we should uh, promote him. Uh, I see him as uh, upper management, uh, a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. Mm, yeah, I'm gonna have to go ahead and disagree with you, Bob. Um, yeah, uh, I, as I said, um, like uh, the tweet that I posted. Um, if this is what you get for uh, "quote unquote" reimagining the uh, training yeah. staff, um, that I would instead suggest that Rick Hahn just imagine a better training staff that knows how to do their job. It seems like a a better mm. a better way to do this whole thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Nice. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So it's uh, it's been stellar. 
Thanks for uh, hanging out super late. Danny, I know you got an early flight, and uh, sorry I kept you yeah. uh, up past your bedtime. Uh, it's not like I was going to be sleeping right now anyway. I got to be completely honest with you. you know? Yeah. I'll sleep on the plane. My wife will not be happy about that because she'll be wanting to conversate and, I don't know, share a, a pair no of AirPods way. or something. No way. That'll never happen. <laughs> yeah, baseball to talk about, but you missed all of it, Pusher. Sorry, man. We're just about ready to call it quits, man. Um, yeah, yeah. That red eye, that red eye flight tomorrow was real early. Yeah, I uh, I hated those when I used to have to take those. You know, get those flights at like yeah. six a.m., seven a.m., where you have to wake up at like four in the morning to get down to the airport hated those things because they yeah, didn't want to are, pay an extra day in a hotel. So, right. We are oh. boarding at uh, 5.20 a.m. tomorrow morning, so mm. good st- Good times. Brutal. Yeah. yeah, that's what we did for our honeymoon. We left at like 5 in the morning, had to be at the airport at like 3. It was brutal. Well, thanks for I, – I didn't know you'd been in here. Thanks for – I saw that you subbed. Thanks for the thanks for the sub as well. Push yes, it. thanks Appreciate for the that. sub. Top hat. My good man. But you like – you. I have I I did mention Suzuki actually. Thank you. I brought him up. Uh, I brought him up actually like four or five times. Um, the fact that he's got uh, like the third best OPS in baseball. But as you can see from the the little logo down here, down over over here, oh, that that way. This is White Sox Daily Live, not Cubs Daily Live. Get out of here, man. It's yeah. also uh, third in uh, barrels per plate appearance percentage. So don't tell me that I haven't talked about Seiya Suzuki. Yeah, I'm just waiting for the uh, C uh, moniker oh, yeah, to. Uh, yeah, they. Uh, I know that they were talking. Oh, oh, yeah. See, getting me all lathered up and angry again. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's not always that difficult to happen. Yeah, you know, no. I, I'll get on. I'll get. I'll get after it every <laughs> once in a while. Um, uh, I was just gonna. You just said something. What'd you just say? And it just slipped my head. Was that me? Yeah, you. On the on the Sia. Oh yeah, yeah. They already been talking about uh, doing the Outcast song "Hey Ya" and turning it into "Say Ya." So expect that to be coming soon. My question yeah, is: yeah. Is when do they start wearing the uh, the kamikaze headbands like they did for Fukudome? The when does Fuki when do, does that Fuki part come in? Yeah, exactly. Uh, What's up, yeah, Xavier? Hey. How you doing? Hey, White Sassy. Sox Daily's own Xavier. Everybody's coming in late, and you're you're trying to leave, and everybody's well, popping in. Well, popping I mean, if you, you, I got a few more <laughs> minutes. If you got something on the docket, nah, I don't. I don't really, you know. Yeah, me neither. Nothing. I nothing think we've, uh, anyway. we've got it all out there. We, uh, I said my piece on the uh, the strength and conditioning department of the White Sox. Lack thereof. And, uh, well, yeah, you know. The, like you said, the reimagining by promoting. I a, have a, a reimagined the trading department. Yeah, I'm going to take one of the people in that bad department and promote them. It's uh, again another fantastic off-season approach. Yeah, that doesn't seem like reimagining. It seems like rearranging the same crap. Yeah, sounds like uh, oh. He, I'm not even going to touch that comment. Uh, I'm going to leave that one alone. Yeah, no, we don't need to talk about that stuff. We already, we already said more than we needed to about it. Um, yeah. 
But uh, yeah, so thanks for coming in, everybody, in the chat. Uh, it's been fun. And uh, it's nice to come back and have some nice White Sox stuff, to actual White Sox stuff to talk about <clears throat> and real baseball to talk about with real numbers that actually mean something. And uh, yeah. talk with other uh, people who uh, like to get angry and talk about White Sox baseball. And again, or, for uh, for those of you who uh, who showed up late, uh, I did this once already earlier in the show. I just want to throw it out there one last time if you weren't here early on. Uh, we love you guys. While Ian was out last week and we skipped a week of the show, he was, uh, you know, just like everybody else. We uh, we all have jobs and families and, and things that, you know, we need to take care of. And Ian spent some time with the fam last week, so good for him. But uh, while we were out, I got some messages and some, you know, some uh, well wishes from some folks that noticed we weren't around. So uh, we felt the love. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. And, uh, you know, keep coming back. We'll, uh, we will try not to miss a week as often as possible. Yeah, I'd like to also mention something else. Uh, I've been setting up a YouTube channel as well that's going to have um, – I, I kind of figured that probably the way that I'm going to do this is probably take most of the highlights that are on our Twitter and uh, from the same games, group all of those together for uh, each particular game. Um, I'm still trying to work out the uh, the search functionality of it because as I looked last night, if you type in White Sox Daily, it doesn't show up at all. So I have to figure out exactly how to do this whole thing. I'm going to probably put the link in our, uh, in our Twitter uh, in our old uh, Twitter and uh, Facebook stuff, so that way you guys can find a way to get to it. If you guys could subscribe to it, um, be able to uh, redo the uh, custom link after 30 days and 100 follows, I believe. So it shouldn't take too particularly long, but uh, that that's on its way. And uh, we're also going to take uh, snippets from the stream and uh, slash podcast here and throw it up on the on the YouTubes as well. Uh, to be shared elsewhere. Um, so if you guys happen to see that, go ahead and uh, give it a subscribe, and um, hopefully we'll continue uh, making uh, more more content and keep on putting stuff up there, and hopefully we get some uh, some interviews and yeah. things, things like that and uh, start we, popping that stuff up there. More ways to get your... Uh bitchiest content creators in the in the White Sox universe uh on your screens. It's not gonna stop. No. I can it's guarantee not. you that I mean unless unless like something absolutely amazing happens and uh personality traits change and uh spending habits change and some well you know like you line. like you said the first time I brought this up I asked the question if the bitchiest duo in uh the white Sox uh podcast universe and uh you kind of agreed that we might be but uh you also mentioned that uh it's within reason that we are talking about some of these things in a rational way we're not we're not bitching just a bitch we're just trying to see the bigger picture for what it is and we're giving you a different uh a, a different uh perspective than the uh purveyors of sunshine and rainbows so yeah the uh, the, the rose-colored glasses if you were um 
we don't yeah. tend to wear those too often. I mean, you know, I do try and, uh, you know, to a certain point, um, you know, try and be, you know, somewhat positive about some of this stuff. But, you know, there's also the, the thing is that I am just by nature <laughs> more uh, prone to be getting aggravated uh, about stuff like this than... Uh, well, I mean, if you've been a White Sox fan as long as... And probably most of our listeners have, it, there's there's cause for being jaded. You know, uh, it, it you know it just is what it is. It's it's the it's the uh, the life cycle of a White Sox fan to, uh, you know, as we've talked about and we've heard about for years, being mired in mediocrity. Yeah. Uh, these types of things happen. Yeah, and you know, so, like I, I'm not gonna you know mention anybody in particular. And like I said earlier, I'm not gonna tell anybody how to fan for the for the team. No, you do you. You know, I mean, it's you guys do things the way you do, and you know, like a lot of these other you know podcasts and streams are are also critical of of a bunch of the moves that are happening. But uh, you know, some of them are a little bit more rosy, and you know, we're just not uh, we're not uh, wired that way, I guess. No. No, so. you know, uh, we see things, we talk about things, we speak our minds, and that's about it. There's, we don't feel a reason to bite our tongue. Yeah, you there's. Know? I mean, uh, we're not uh, getting any. Uh, we're not getting any money from the uh, from the big club. So uh, I'm going to keep on talking about. Uh, about yeah, there will this be stuff. no boot. There will be no bootlicking here for sure. I am no Jr. <laughs> bootlicker. That is for sure. <laughs> So, as opposed to a, cer- a certain guy hey, I called out for having a check mark hey. uh, recently, yeah, so, a certain hack writer. And I'll, yeah. I, you know, I don't normally talk about other people's writing because I haven't done a lot of writing, but I've done some, and uh, you know, I get it. But uh, I-, I will call that guy a hack. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, you know, and I don't know how we got a check mark on Twitter. I won't yeah. mention any names right now, but well, uh, if you guys bought it, yeah, there are a few. And then you know, of course, the Jr. Bootlick is a, a, a my favorite a, uh, villain in every movie. Jr. Bootlicker. Yeah, that that moniker was given to a a, a specific Sox beat writer employed by the organization. So, yeah. Anywho, all right. Well. Uh, ladies and gents, uh, non-binary people, um, thank you for coming to the stream, uh, slash Ted talk tonight. And, um, this will be available on podcast tomorrow morning in, uh, in a pseudo, uh, chopped up version of this, but, um, we'll go ahead and, uh, call it a night there because, uh, Danny's got to pack up his suitcases and, uh, Get all ready to go and uh, accept a. It's a major award. It's a major award. <laughs> yes. Um, gotta go. Uh, go with the wife tomorrow and uh, accept that. Uh, that uh, that award. And I uh, hope you guys have a great time and a safe trip. And uh, go enjoy some barbecue. And um, we'll sit here and uh, I'm 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 sad for you that the White Sox are not playing at Kaufman uh, this this week. Yeah, it's, that would that have been cool. Sucks. That would have been great, but. Um, Unfortunately, they're in uh, Cleveland. Who likes Cleveland? Would you go there for vacation? I wouldn't go there for vacation. Uh, uh, actually, I did. No, 
I stopped there and went to a Indians game. So I'm actually lying. I did go there for vacation, but they don't have a beach. So, um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm going to, uh, go ahead and call it there and, uh, meet back up next week. And, uh, no doubt that there will be some awesome things to, uh, talk about, uh, Randy Dobnak driving for Uber and, um, <laughs> we will, uh, have, uh, you know, all sorts of content in the meantime, uh, on, uh, at daily white Sox on Twitter and, um, you see all your uh, minor league highlights and uh, seeing Yoelki Cespedes hitting uh, two bombs all you want. Uh, you can replay them over and uh, enjoy yourselves. And um, thanks for everybody that came in. Thanks for the uh, the uh, questions about us being missing. And um, thanks for everything. Thanks for coming and hanging in the chat. And uh, thanks for your patronage. We, uh, we appreciate it. And uh, my name is Ian Eskridge. This has been White Sox Daily Live. For my co-host, the Danny Miller, uh, we will see you next Monday at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you. Have a great night.